once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up online 24 7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com we are running <clears throat> excuse me it's early uh we're still running the radio loop uh we are getting surprisingly um evidence that more people are using it than fewer of late there had been a dip for a while but uh, we kept announcing or i kept announcing on the show that we were uh, getting to the point where, well, you know, at some point in early uh, 2024, uh, it would go away and we'd just be a, uh, a podcast-based show going to our podcast feed, which you could find at the aforementioned website, uh, or you could go and find Center Left Radio wherever you find your podcast. But in any event, we have had this rather significant uptick in both the radio loop and in the podcast downloads. Now, I'm, I'm thinking a part of the reason is that we left up uh, our show, our Noble Hearts Forum. That's, for those of you who need to know this, that is a, it, it's a subset of our standard central radio shows. And um, we did this show on the, uh, on the Israeli-Palestinian problems that, that are taking place right now. And, and clearly I understate by using the word problem. Uh, they're they're, they're a, uh, a, hor- a horrific state of affairs taking place uh, in Gaza right now. Uh, most evidence at this stage seems, seems to point in the direction of Israel looking basically to make Gaza an unlivable place, generally. Uh, that the killing has become more wanton, that the, uh, that the destruction, the physical destruction of the place has become, uh, apparently, uh, the, the, the end, uh, end game here, here. One should be able to live, it would appear, from what Israel is currently doing, no one should be able to live in Gaza. Now, this is what I'm seeing. Now, I and my my opinions were, you know, when 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 the invasion first took place and everything. Of course, horrific, 1,400 people, whatever it was, slaughtered by the by the Gazans uh, or the 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 Hamas uh, militants, who many of whom came in and hanged. There was tremendous planning. The ignorance of the Israelis, the embarrassment, the 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 complete incapacity of Benjamin Netanyahu, who all of those things. But we're now, you know, that was October 7th, November, December, January, three, three months and going into four right now, shortly four months since October 7th. And this is no longer a reaction. This is a campaign. And what we're getting is uh, the destruction of Gaza. Now, you can argue, and people are arguing, continuing to argue, you know, is the, are there sides to be taken here? 
And, and, and when you take those sides, do you take those, those sides from the perspective of blame everyone and everything in Gaza or in, and, and or in Israel? Is it the Israeli people who are doing it? Is anyone who, who has uh, uh, sympathy for the Israelis, therefore anti-Gazan, uh, anti-Palestinian, pro-ethnic cleansing, whatever it may be, we're getting them out, we're going to try ultimately pushing them into northern Egypt uh, where we'll give them, uh, we'll forgive all sorts of national debt and they'll take, the, there are every, you know, all of the uh, theories and conspiracy theories and on and on. <laughs> well, th this conversation went on for quite quite some time. On the, well, it, on the show, it went for uh, it went for about an hour and a half, a little less, and it's continued online incessantly. I have uh, I have uh, former classmates, very smart guys, that are still at it, and this is three weeks or more. Since we did that show, it was all started by that show. And as I say, the listenership, our listenership to this show, ticked up like crazy with this debate. Uh, and it's been ticking, ticking up prior to it. Obviously, obviously this eight sent it up, sent it off the walls. I mean, we, we just got a tremendous flood of listening. And it was both via our radio loop and our podcast feed. And another very interesting fact to add to that. Most of our listenership, certainly on the radio loop, and it's hard to tell from the podcast feed, uh, it takes a little extra effort to get a sense of where the downloads are taking place. But on the radio loop, the way we're set up with our distributor, our shoutcast manager, as it were, uh, we get statistics broken down by countries. And if, yes, of course, when, so when you're, when you're basically going with an uh, online broadcast like that, that's running in a loop, it can be picked up any place on the planet, like anything can be picked up any place in the planet. And the vast majority of our stuff, of our information, of our shows and certainly this last show on, on Israel and Palestine, is being picked up by listeners in Germany. Germany is by far the single largest uh, listening group currently for Sorcelef Radio. Hasn't, hasn't been that way, but, but there's been a dramatic uptick in German listeners, and I'm 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 fascinated to understand why that might be. Why in Germany? Uh, I, I, I obviously the Germans that are listening are English speakers, or certainly uh, English uh, listeners can hear it. I I I don't want to assume, and it would make no sense to me to say that, well, they are all uh, uh, Anglophile transplants, they are Brits or Americans or Australians or, or, or some group with English as their major uh, language that happen to have wound up in Germany. They are U.S. service people uh, stationed in... Uh, no, I, 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 my gut says no, that's not it there happen to be a lot of bilingual and multilingual Germans. 
And we have a listenership that is, uh, I gather among that, and, and maybe a few of the other things that I mentioned as well. But I, I'd appreciate if some, someone could go into, or someone from our German listeners could, could go into website on our, you know, the www.centerlefttalkradio.com. At the bottom of the, at the end of the website is a uh, comments page where you can basically get online and leave a comment about the show. Would, can I impose on anyone in our German audience to please say, hi, uh, I'm, uh, I, I don't know that I need your name necessarily, but I'd love to know your age at least. And are, are you a German, or what is, uh, what is the source of your, of your English language background? And maybe if you want to go further and give them give sense of how you happen to come across center-left radio, I would be most appreciative uh, of, uh, of getting that information. Uh, but in the meanwhile, please, be under, please understand, I, I don't require it of anyone to identify themselves, and that's fine if you don't want to. I'm just letting everyone know who listens here that our German audience is big, uh, huge in comparison to other audiences that we have around the world. And I'm trying to, as, as any producer, uh, a commentator, uh, show uh, owner, or whatever you want to call me, uh, anyone in my, my position, I just want to understand why. But be that as it may. And, and of course, thank you to our German listeners one way or the other. Um, normally, uh, you, you become quite accustomed. Oh, and by the way, I, let, me, let me just back up again here. It is the 2nd of February. It is a Friday. And it being a Friday, David Bach will be joining us in our second segment, I'm happy to say, and, and doing what David Bach always does, focusing on a series of, uh, of events or a series of uh, probably uh, underreported stories in the press that he feels, and uh, it's all about his, his take on it, that's why you're listening to David, uh, on, that would have bearing and will have bearing on the electorate and the election coming up in 2024. David's been doing this with us now for a series of, for, for several years. And uh, in fact, we, I'm just thinking back, we met during a, um, a anti-gun protest march here in the area in Westchester, in, in, in central Westchester. And that was just after the Florida shooting. Uh, that's a number of years ago. And David has, has on the show, and in the, in the beginning as an occasional guest uh, commentator, but now as a regular contributor every, every Friday ever since. Well, since he became regular, there was a period of sort of startup. Um, and we're grateful to have him, and apparently from everything I understand from you, you are at least as grateful as I and we are here in the studio. So uh, that will continue uh, in the second half of this show. Normally, at, at this point, you, you, you are accustomed to some uh, politically-based uh, 
uh, discussion or some politically based uh, storyline, uh, more often than not these days, that storyline involves Donald Trump. And, and that's pretty much what we've been going through and, and, and taking it from any number of angles, always with the intention of li leaving you with a certain sense of, of hope. That's what this show was about. We are the productive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. It, it, it is not designed, or my, my, my monologues, when, when it's a pure monologue situation, as most of the shows are, are not designed to uh, cause you uh, uh, undue uh, trauma and, and, and get you all sorts of upset. Um, because that's not necessary. You, you get from too many other sources. What I'm trying to do is to basically give some sense of, yes, the reality, but through the reality, describe why we have more to be hopeful about than to fear. And then, as you also know from my perspective, that fear is the greatest defeater of everyone and everything out there. That it's our need to suppress fear, and, and it's our obligation to do it, and, we, and it doesn't happen automatically. But once we choose voluntarily to suppress fear and numerous, numerous stepchildren, hate, anger, uh, uh, viciousness, uh, uh, prejudice, uh, violence, when we choose to basically stop all of that, or to examine what it is that we are doing in the name of fear or feeling in the name of fear, when we stop thinking that all fear is is cowering in a corner and confront the full panoply of things that are fear-based and then begin to suppress them, well, when, that's when, when the opportunity for change and the, the opportunity for positive stuff comes in. So the, so the idea is not to just fixate on how horrible Donald is and, and how he's destroying everything, and that may well be the case. You know, and, and, and some, certainly that is a valid perspective, but it's not the best. It's not, it's not the most meaningful from the perspective of people who understand that he cannot and should not be president of the United States again. That involves suppressing our own fears and elevating Therefore, by suppressing them, elevating our love. These are components that are in everybody's soul. This is not religion. This is not theology. It's how we are made energetically. You hear the words fear and love, though, and, and to some extent they've been co-opted uh, co by religion, but they are not the property of religion. Fear and, fear and love is the stuff of our souls, and it doesn't require any particular, any denominational, any sectarian narrative to confirm this. You may disagree, but, but uh, this is what my experience is, and that experience is based on also several years in working with uh, a self-declared doctor of energy medicine, and there should be a hell of a lot more of them out there, uh, because it takes the stuff that is in our soul, which is basically our subconscious, 
the energy center of sentient beings. We all have a, uh, we are all driven by this sentient innings, and it gets awfully complicated and, and trying to describe it, but it is not best described in theological or religious terms. Theologies and religions have basically, as I say, co-opted this language, but this is not limited by any means, and in fact, I would argue, and some would argue, that it is misappropriated by religions. This is the stuff, believe it or not, as we become more knowledgeable, it's the stuff of science. What we are made of is basically scientific, and it is spiritual, but then spiritual is one of those co-opted words. Spirituality and spiritual means nothing more, refers to nothing more than the interlinking, the affiliation of everyone and everything. Now, it may be that in some way, shape, or form, that has always been spoken of, or, or those words are used far more frequently by religious institutions and clergy people and people in, of that ilk. But, but the problem, the problem here is that when you are coming at spirituality, when you're, you're coming love and fear, when you're coming at things like the soul, typically what winds up happening is that if it's an institution, if it's a religious institution that's dealing with these words or, or making rules using these words, well, that institution invariably winds up having boundaries. The boundaries are what the organization is made of. How, the institution is organizational. It's, it's based on people and, and a structure and an organization, and there's all sorts of things that have to happen to keep the religion going. It is a, as I've heard it defined, and I've defined it to you, a divine human institution, divine in the sense that its purpose is basically to give God a place or a, 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 a mechanism for, uh, uh, for interacting with us but there are absolute restrictions on how far that interaction can go and with whom and those batteries, the people who are inside the organization slash religion and outside, those are set by the religion. So, so if a religion, any particular religion says, I've got a lock on spirituality, I've got a lock on, on faith and reason, and I've got a lock on love and heaven, hate. Oh, yeah, those are all things about that. That's, we explain all that in our theology. Well, that, that may be well and good, but it's only for people who are within that group. And the moment all of those things that the religion would claim to be universal... The moment people outside of that religion basically try to look in on what is universal within that religion, well, the only way that they're permitted into the universality 
is to become part of the religious institution. Hence, we have, uh, we have people out there, you know, the missionaries, and we have people proselytizing and, and become part of us, and our goal is to convert the whole world. And so, but, but that's not, you see, that means that I have to buy, to, to get the benefit of what I already am, to understand what already is within me, just by the sheer nature of my being in this universe, I am forced, according to most religions, to become sectarian. I have to become one of them or, 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 or somehow become institutionalized. I don't mean that in the, well, you know what I mean. But I, I have to become organizationalized to both understand and benefit from stuff that I already am. I have to see it through an organizational lens. And as soon as I do that, I now join the larger group of people within that organization who understand where the boundaries are, who was allowed in, who was allowed out. Or who, or who will be will be be kicked out? But but it's who is not allowed in? Who is not part of our, our wayanking? Who may not offer different ideas? No, we have one way of doing it. And if you don't agree, well, you know you're missing out on on all of these things that could be done to your soul or that you could get the benefit of if only you would join our club, our organization, our religion. Now, I'm sorry, I, I find that absolutely absurd. Now, I, I did it when I was a kid. As a kid, I absolutely... Absolutely was positive. It was, I, I could not have been any more certain that the only way to even begin to discuss things like soul and 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 universality and uh, and uh, and and energy or whatever that even meant. We didn't use the word energy ever. It was God. God, well, that's okay. So God is an anthropomorphized version of perhaps what I would call universal energy. But the anthropomorphic limitations of a human are what become most apparent. And that anthropomorphic limitation is what basically creates boundaries. A guy, a person, a big guy, a big, big guy with a white beard, basically is paternal and nasty and sometimes is irrational, a lot of times is irrational, and loves on a, on a, on a good day, is, is, is just wicked, nasty, irrational murdering on a bad day. And that character basically is nothing but an amplification of the, of the uh, strict father or the irrational father imagery, which we have in much of Western culture. And that has been the basis for why we have kings and all the loud kings. And, and clergy comes right in with that speaking on behalf of GovGov, and it's all part of sustaining an organ organization that keeps us in and them, them is everybody else on the planet, them out. And only we get the benefit. 
And it used to be the, 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 the toughest result of all that was, you know, remember asking his kids when we were in school, well, geez, if, 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 if we've got it, if the Catholic Church is the only true religion, well, then, then everybody else, I guess, has to go to hell, right? I mean, they don't have it. And, and you know what happens if you don't have the sacraments, blah, 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 at the end of your life, blah, 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 blah. If you don't have, if you don't have, don't have, if you don't have, if you don't have uh, extra unction, unction rights, and, and, and well, well, and, 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 and then the intellectual are, well, perhaps there is a sort of a purgatory, but yes, basically, um, the only way to... And, and, and then the, the church has gradually, gradually, I gather, in, in, in more rational elements of the Catholic Church, have backed away from this absolutism that everybody else goes to hell. Well, that's a, but that's a great way, obviously, to convert people. Hey, you know what? You've been missing out on this, and you're going to go to hell. And oh, and by the way, by joining uh, the Catholic Catholics, you have these benefits. Here are the benefit packages that come. That come. You will get food. You will get shelter. Things, things will be easier for you. You can move out of your village, and maybe uh, you know things will be a little, a little better based on the donations that we get. Blah 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 blah. So join our group. Hey, and hey, you know if that's what it takes, good. I'll, 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 can, I'll, I'll affirm whatever you want me to affirm. That's a standard model. That has been used forever and ever and ever. And of course, it is rationalized with, yes, God came into your soul and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, God, yeah you, once, you, once, it, once you are totally flooded and completely in, in, enveloped in the world of a religion and, and within a, a neighborhood, for example, that, that is dominantly of one religious structure, you can see the world being absolutely, every aspect of the world can be driven that way. And you can assume quite readily, and especially if you're a kid, you will assume that that religion basically is covering everyone and everything. And anyone who doesn't get that probably deserves to basically go to hell for all eternity. But we're drifting away from that absolutism. Much of the world is drifting away. And those people who feel most threatened by that drift are working all the harder, trying all the harder to basically retain this grip, this absolutism. They're looking for issues. They're looking for anything to basically stop a trend that's been going on now for at least 20, 25 years or more in America, especially among Catholic churches are just basicing out. The, the Rockville Archdiocese next to the New York Archdiocese covering much of, much of long is bankrupt, has gone bankrupt. The New York Archdiocese has lost so many schools and so many churches and combined so many parishes and its finances, you don't hear the stories, but I, in talking to some people, am hearing that bankruptcy is not out of the picture for the New York Archdiocese, what was one of the most powerful political and religious institutions in the world, certainly uh, prior to the last 20 or 30 years. People are evolving. People are learning. People are coming far more aware of the, the melding of science and, and what theology and religions did 
in taking an initial uh, an initial understanding or an initial sense of the energy of the universe, but then anthropomorphizing it so that it became institutional, and then adding in a worldly or a, a earth-based clergy to administer it, and making making access to what was basically fundamentally within each of us only accessible through a imposed institution or inherited institution. Maybe it wasn't imposed. In most case, in a lot of cases, it's just, hey, my parents did it, I'm going to do it also. But it's not necessary. I, we, we've said this on any number of occasions also. Religions do three incredibly important things. They, they lay out a moral code, a shareable, uh, overall, overarching moral code that everyone can reasonably adhere to. They do charitable works. No, no one, no one does charitable work like religions. We need religious organizations to do those two things. Do we need them to also be promoting sectarianism and differences and divisions at the same time? Do we need them to promote ancient notions of better and worse among adherents? That's probably not a good thing. Do we need them to continually focus on a literal theological statement about gods or god-men and whatever, whatever the theology happens to be as a necessity for being part of the organization and therefore assisting in doing things like, uh, you know, uh, doing charitable works and and disseminating moral codes and accepting those moral codes. Do we need theology to do that? Not really, but it's embedded in there. Now, there's a third thing that religions do better and, and do better than anyone else. We've, we've discussed this show before, and that is, is to basically be because of their sense of, of charity, their sense of moral, shared moral code, do this across their own boundaries. Share or get people of other denominations, other organizations, religious organizations, divine human organizations, to basically cooperate with one another. And I'm not just talking about ecumenical Sundays where the imam shows up in the pul pulp, says a few words, everybody goes, well, that's nice, isn't that wonderful of us to have in there? Now, please leave, leave. because basically, deep down, deep down, trust Muslims. You, you know what I'm saying? Not that. A true, a true cross-line, cross-boundary affiliation a sense of affiliation, promoting the notion of affiliation over differentiation based on the boundaries that religions place out there. That's what they can do. They have the ability to break down those final boundaries because the moral and the charity that they're promoting are the, the end game. That's what basically is the most important thing for them to do. Not to stress what their differences are theologically or what a divine being can and won't do and what the punishment cycle will be if you don't. No! 
what the good stuff is that you can do. And maybe relegate the, the narrative and the theology and the history and everything into more of an understood metaphor that everybody can focus on that basically, that basically has as its purpose promoting the charity and the morality in life that these religions put out there. And by morality, I don't mean that you have to be sexually one way or the other. I mean a morality that basically is focused on respect for human and other life on this planet. It respects our, our period, that, that understands that we are in this together. A unifying morality that basically has a series of core uh, behaviors that we can all reasonably not only do, but want to do, because it's for our best once we understand the metaphor and what the metaphors are trying to tell us about us all. And the metaphors ultimately match up across theologies, they, or, or they map across religions. Now, now that's what, what religion could do. Religion, religion could, the existing current religions could be the driving force for the unification of the whole, practically the whole damn planet. But they choose not to be in the interest of preserving organizational autonomy for the sake of organizational hegemony. Uh, for the sake of, uh, of requiring the organization as a mechanism uh, for uh, either salvation or, uh, or, or worldly gain or what, whatever, the, whatever the narrative and the theology happens to suggest. And, and invariably, therefore, setting boundaries that make no sense if what they are doing and saying and, and promoting is supposed to be universal. No, 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 you're going to have to join us. Well, no, 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 I don't, I don't have to, do I, therefore I have to profess to your, uh, your theology and no, why? That, that, that just reinforces the strength of your particular clergy and your particular uh, internal uh, rules and regulations and it, by, frankly, keeps you wealthy, it keeps you going. It keeps the organization uh, above and, and ahead of, of all else. Well, if the organization goes, none of the, we can't help people. We can't make you better. We can't bring you closer to God if the organization is not there. But no, no, that's not the point. No, 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 no. It's the message. It's, it's, it's the sense of affiliation. It's, it's, it's being an organization and bringing everyone and everyone else along to a, to a better place, to, to being imp having their lives made better, not by the threat of going to hell because you are not obeying my particular set of rules, that you didn't go to church last Sunday, that you didn't have final rights, that you are not absolutely wedded to the church. No, by an understanding of the metaphorical invention historical metaphorical information that, my, that our organization has and how it interacts with that of other organizations and how we all have the common goal of making life better for people on this planet. Period. That's, that's my dream for the evolution of religion. religion. 
But in the process of that evolution, what we are all doing, doing, when we get down to that which is common and general to all of us, we will have to recognize that it's our energetic, our sharing in the, commonly, in, in the common energy of the universe that defines us and makes us function and is what we have as sentient beings. And this transcends any possible narrative, story, dicta, anything. It is what we all are as humans. You can't, can't denominationalize our humanity. You can't turn it to a sectarian function. Recognizing that there has to be a way to deal with the needs that we have that are, are energetic in nature. And this is where I come into this notion of doctors of energy medicine. They are not theological. They are not religiously oriented. They understand, they will understand, human. Really, what human, to be human is. And to basically find, find ways to assist people improve their lives, come through trauma, to deal with things that are difficult for them, to basically lighten their load using the thing that is absolutely common to everybody, our shared universal energy. Not a religion, a science, if you will, but a science that is sensitive and loving and caring and recognizing of the fact that we are all in our souls, our subconscious, creature, creature that combine love and fear, and that you don't have to be part of any particular established religion to have that verified. No, you don't need a religion to verify that for you. And that's the stuff at the heart of what makes you able to live and function and to be happy and satisfied and to achieve and to be able to give love to others and to interface with other people. It is social, it, it will have its own social impact, ultimately, but it will not be a social impact limit, limited by denominational walls. It's, it's, it's a lot. It, it, it's a mindful, but it requires the, re the responsibility and cooperation of existing religions to kickstart it. Now, oh, you're out of your mind, Gazer. You know, you know what, what are the odds of that happening? It's happening. It's happening whether religions want to understand it, admit it or not. Science is interfacing with religious knowledge, if you will, and science invariably will win unless we, we find a way to try to knock science down. And they have, they have asked. And then you pay a price for that. We, we go much further back. And then we have to catch up ultimately when we realize that we're destroying ourselves by not doing what would be the natural thing. Being scientifically rational about stuff. Science, bad stuff. It's against everything I believe. I hate science. Whatever. Okay, yeah. I get that because, well, it, it's, it's interrupting my traditional sense of who's in command, who's in charge, and who's less than I am, who I am more than. than. Science is, is we're all going. It's not a dirty word. It's the, it's the reality. It's what 
if you don't believe in science, well, you can't have a cell phone. You can't be listening to me right now. It's nothing but science making all that possible. It's the same science, the same energy that we are part of ourselves. With the stuff that's allowing you to hear right now, that's transmitting all of that, all of that is energy, and we are all of the same energy. It's, it's, it's so simple, and yet it's something that we've just never embraced. Or we did, perhaps, maybe in, in a long-gone era before religion. And then the people who created religions knew this, but basically also understood that it would be very helpful to have some kind of an organizational structure. And that, well, let's have, let's have, let's have theology, let's have narratives, let's have rule, let's have dicta. Let's differentiate ourselves. I'm not a fan of that differentiation. I am a, I'm a huge fan of basically bringing us together by, by a shared moral code, by a shared uh, responsibility to help one another, and by a shared understanding that we are not uh, falsely divided along any kind of sectarian lines for the sake of preserving some self-declared divine human institutions. We can't be that way. Our science and our, and our, and our culture just is moving way past that. And we simply have to accept that. I know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good way to start off a, 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 a Friday morning in February. Um, I was going to talk about uh, um, uh, artificial intelligence and something, uh, and a, sub, uh, a subsystem within ChatGPT called DALL-E, D-A-L-L-E, that does artistic things, the like of which I am blown away by. There's something like 50 subsets. This is in the, uh, the paid version of ChatGPT, not the, not the everyone's version where you just ask questions and it gives you answers. It shows you what it can do with other stuff that is input. Um, I think I might talk about this on our next show, but uh, just to give you a sense of, again, the stuff that is binding and, and defining and will be defining all of us as we go forward. Scary in some levels, but fascinating in others. Uh, prior to that, however, it being uh, this being still a show that is happening on February 2nd, and that conversation is one that will come up. Oh, and there will be another there'll be another Noble Hearts Forum coming very, very short on social insurance, uh, Medicare, uh, disability, unemployment, uh, all of that stuff, the, the safety net that the government, federal government puts out for people in America. We're going to have that same group of people and a few others who are absolutely super schooled in this stuff. So please stay tuned for that. That'll be happening within the next week and a half. We'll be doing that Noble Hearts Forum. That's coming up. But what's coming up now is David Bach. It is Friday. Oh, and that also means that uh, between now and then, it'd be nice to have a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. It is Friday. You know what the next words will be. I will simply say them, but they're already in your mind. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's an interesting bunch of stuff, and if you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas No. Um, look... It's uh, Trump is basically just running around um, trying to deal with his lawsuits. He's uh, at some point we're going to get a ruling about whether or not he can be on um, his presidential immunity and then we'll get the ballot ruling. But it does seem like the ballot ruling is something that is being pushed um, in a more negative direction than the Supreme Court is willing to do. Um because there's another uh, there's more briefs being added saying, hey, you know, he did an insurrection. He can't be president type shit. Yeah. Um, which we like we all agree that by the letter of the law, at least as it's presented, he is unable to be president based on just how true. Like, he, he, he is. He is in. He is ineligible straight out unable right. and well, therefore unable. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree that way. Yeah. Um, like just like the idea that, you know, the president of the United States, the office of the president is not an officer is just like, just an, like the general senses, but the, for the 
quote unquote good of the country that the Supreme Court is probably going to rule in favor of leaving him on the ballot. Like that's where the general census stands on this. Um, I would I would argue, by the way, for the good of the country, you take him off now rather rather than 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 go through what he would what he'll put the country through the next time if he loses this time, which he probably will, and it'll be worse than what he did in 2020. Uh, if you want to use the good of the country, but yes, I think this is a, the Supreme Court will, from what I'm seeing. I would agree with you. We'll probably look at it that way. But it is absolutely an illegal, illegal, unconstitutional way of looking at it and ultimately ruling on it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see when eventually that happens. Uh, Nikki Haley is going after him more in a way talking about his um, uh, his mental acuity and she's trying to get shots in because she's trying to set herself up for the the last man standing depending on whatever cases come through um yeah was yeah yeah was recently just fined uh 83 million dollars for defamation um it turns out that uh i guess looking pretty is not a good um court decision if you're trying to be a lawyer (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i mean you mean miss haba yes okay Yeah, 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 yeah 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 um you know i also want to talk about this uh very quickly, this trucker thing. Yeah. So, as you know, Abbott is um, attempting to usurp power from the federal government because he doesn't have the the legal right to do this. The Constitution right. and uh, the leg- the laws are very clear that the federal government is in charge of immigration. Exactly. Um, that while individual states um, have some powers, the federal government is in charge, at least at the border. So what Abbott is doing is illegal. And it's also worth mentioning the thing, and this is the important thing, the thing that Abbott's doing is not going to stop illegal immigration because at literally no point in the history of any country except maybe uh, like island countries before the invention of boats yeah, um, has there ever been such a thing as zero uh, illegal immigration. Yeah. Literally never yeah. happened at yeah. any point ever, anywhere at all. Like, to be clear, that is a thing. The thing that Abbott is doing is he wants to fight the federal government so he can murder immigrants. This is not an exaggeration. He has literally said this, that he would murder them if he didn't think he would be charged with um, uh, murder. Jeez, uh, that's, that sounds just like Donald. That's, that sounds amazingly similar to stuff that Donald says all the time. Except that Abbott uh, is, is, is actually acting on this, it would appear. Yes. Uh, it is worth mentioning that the... Um, Operation Lone Star that they started has cost somewhere between four and a half to ten billion dollars. Um, has had absolutely zero impact. Has led to the suicide of seven service members um, and forced them to unionize. Uh, David, did you say million or billion? Billion. Billion. Yeah, and and, and like with with years. no with no real discernible positive impact whatsoever, except that he stays out in the public eye. Abbott does, and essentially is seen as a tough guy, and he's just building his brand at the expense of human life. Uh, many of those human lives, as you're saying, being or a number of those human lives being his own his own workers, his his own Texas uh, border patrol people. Pretty sick. And then. Um there's this. I just want to talk about this trucker thing because these these things like kind of keep happening. So apparently there was this uh, this trucker convoy going down to the border 
um, I guess similar to some of the ones during the uh, COVID where they were protesting fighting COVID. Um, there's a couple things. This One, the idea that real Americans are truckers and they're coming down to fight for the border is just a very weird idea. Like, like that this is the real heartland of America. Like, these are the real Americans. And they're coming down because they're fed up with, like, you know, people in South Carolina are fed up with what's going down to the border because they're a border state. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> like, if you want to deal with immigration, you need to actually pass legislation. Because, and well, I'll get to this in, in a second. But the idea that the, first of all, they said there's 70,000 truckers, which is... Just not happening. Of course not. Um, I, of course, I think that's like a third of the U.S. Um, like trucker fleet. At a time, anyway. at a time when truckers are complaining, or when 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 manufacturers and shippers are complaining that there isn't enough, there aren't enough people and enough trucks out there doing the the thing, and they've been using that as a supply chain thing and everything else. Suddenly, seventy thousand trucks are just suddenly going to get off and disappear and 70,000 truckers with them and all of that is just going to happen at a moment when these people are trying to make money. It's nuts. The whole thing is ridiculous. Right. Like the logistical idea of this, that all of these people stole the trucks. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works with truckers. So I have to assume some of them are owned by their companies. I think that you can own some of your own trucks, but well, like, your, your cab, uh, you would own your cab, but the truck, right. but the, but the truck that's put on, you know, the, 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 that's, that's tagged to you is, is owned typically, typically anyway, by whoever you're doing the job for. And that's why it's all standardized linkages and blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. So they're going to take all these trucks. They're going to spend Fifteen thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. I don't know how much it takes to, to to fill up a truck from like Idaho to Texas. Fuel, fuel is gas. the big thing. Fuel is the biggest problem, of course. That's that's, um, that's crazy. And then, are you are you using PTO? How are you just leaving your job at this point? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's such, yeah, it's such an <laughs> asinine idea. Yeah, um, that this is what real America and also the people who are leading this are fucking insane. Like. They literally think that this is like a message from God that they have to come down here to, um, like, is support Abbott in his in his quest to kill immigrants. Like, it's it's that's- it's stupidity and it's it's fantasy. It's conspiracy theory. It's all of the all of the above. It, it's nuts. But there there you have it. You know. Well, speaking of uh, fantasy and conspiracy theory, let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Ah, um, because Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Got a win for her this week. Um, they're pushing forward the articles of impeachment on Senator uh, Secretary Mayorkas, right? Um, because their argument is he failed to follow the laws, leading to this. Um, there is currently Republicans coming out and say, "Yeah, we have. This is not what an impeachment is for. He hasn't actually broken any laws. It's a policy difference, and we don't want to like create this idea." Which is which is uh, what which is what uh, new administrations are doing and what the people who are not in power are always pissed off about because people pursue different policies. And Mayorkas has done, from what I can see, absolutely zero illegal and absolutely less than that to merit anything like an impeachment. But that being said... Well, have you considered that that's not what matters because facts don't care about your feelings you know it's funny i that that was the that was a thought that occurred to me yeah yeah the facts are meaningless um so she they're pushing that forward um she also introduced a central uh 
uh, resolution. I don't know if you caught this because I haven't heard of this. Um, so, uh, on who? On Ilhan Omar. Ah. Um, uh, uh, uh. Because she was speaking to a group. I want to say it's uh, Somalian American. She was she was talking to some group in Somalia because she is Somalian, right? And she speaks up, and a video of it surfaced from a one of the people who was opposed to her back in. She was talking about a, a difference between Somalia and uh, Somaliland, which I'm not even going to pretend I know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever this uh, and this video surfaced with captions on it because she's speaking in uh somali uh-huh and and among the things that are said in it according to this this caption is that she's like i'm i'm not an american you know i'm here for somali first and then i'm a muslim and i got right wingers in um all bad they're like oh she's a traitor to the country we should deport her um uh and it turns out the translation is inaccurate this is not even like me. Why? Defending. Why am I? Why am I not surprised? But go on. <laughs> like, there. It, it does seem that she does say some stuff about like, uh, um, the conflict between Somalia and Somaliland that is probably a little problematic. But without any information of this, I'm not going to speculate about it. But the the part that has gotten people angry appears to be uh, mistranslated based on whoever released this uh, having issues with that conflict. Sure. Uh, of course. So obviously, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, censured her, and she wrote, and she says, "Yeah, I'm introducing a censure for the congresswoman from Small, I mean, uh, Minnesota." And all of them love that. Which it's just like even for Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's fucking cruel, and she's just a disgusting human being. Yeah, she is. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They, it's it's just insanely uh, ridiculous there. Um, but let's talk about the rest of the uh, GOP because they're now in a bind. There's two pieces of legislation that they're going to have to fight over. Um, first, there is uh, Mike Johnson arguing against the uh, immigration bill. Now, we don't know what's in the immigration bill uh, because it hasn't been released yet. Uh, I, I wish, I wish there had been more. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know. Well, the, you know, you know where I know most of the information from. There was who was the senator who was on Fox who was ticking off. It was a Republican senator on Fox, and this clip was being shown everywhere. And he was ticking off elements that were in the bill. Why? Because he was on the committee that was part of the formulation on this. But it was a Republican senator on uh, Fox. Was it there you go. There you go. That was because he's the one who's been pushing it. Yeah. He's the he's the uh, the lead, uh, I guess, writer on this. Uh-huh. Um, there are Republicans supporting it, and their argument goes: Look, there's a chance to uh, to reshape immigration laws, which is badly needed in this country because that's the real issue. It's with been needed for it's been needed it's for that, for at least twenty years that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's it's not that the people are coming. There's two things that I keep repeating need to be done about immigration. It both needs to be made. Uh, so it could be streamlined, whether that's an increase in judges or a, uh, a a easier way for people to apply for asylum and then for uh, pathways to citizenship. And then there needs to be a, um, a an increase in the way to house these people, both um, by either allowing them to have functioning jobs so that they can afford their own housing, they can pay uh, Social Security taxes, they can pay regular – I mean they pay taxes anyway. Yeah. Um, but they cannot get the benefits. But uh, those two things have to happen, both a streamlined version and a way to 
uh, deal with the people who are already here in a way that allows them either to work or to uh, gain benefits so they're not just like kind of homeless yeah. or, or being exploited by corporations. Yep. Um, but this bill, based on what we've seen, is kind of a mixed bag. Um, but before that, I want to re- reference something that Speaker Johnson said. He's talking about, oh, Joe Biden doesn't have the authority, doesn't already has the authority to quote unquote close the border. Um, a thing that has never happened. Right. Uh, because President Trump used these authorities, except when President Trump used the authorities that uh, Speaker Johnson's talked about, one, it literally did nothing. Um, two, the authorities aren't, some of the things he lost in court weren't legal. Um, so it's irrelevant to what he's saying here. The president does need more powers on this. Now, to what we've seen from this bill, there does appear to be some good stuff, an increase in uh, uh, judges. I think it's a massive increase in the amount of judges, which is definitely going to help with the backlog. Yeah. But it also gives the president some powers that both appear to be a little bit illegal and also um, should not be given to a potential president, uh, period. Was um, that the 5,000-person rule or something? I heard something about yes. that. Yeah. So the the – the main talking point appears to be that once the um, the border crossings hit a certain level, I think it's 5,000, um, they will then commence with shutting down the border or uh, limiting the flow. And anyone else caught crossing into that will be immediately expelled. And you will not be allowed to um, apply for asylum unless – I think it's – the number remains lower than 3,000. For the next two weeks. Huh. Um, huh, huh. First huh. of all, asylum is not just a U.S. thing. It's a global law that you are allowed to apply for asylum. Right, 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 um, right, right. So I do not believe that this part of the bill is legal. Like similar to how they struck down part of the ACA because they were like, oh, you know, it's a tax thing and it doesn't work here and there. Yeah. Um, I would imagine this part of the bill, you should have passed, would be challenged in court. Yeah. I, now, I, I, I think I think you've laid out the pathway perfectly. It would be passed. And then, of course, the challenges will begin. And on that particular issue from the left, and I'm sure you're going to get challenges left and right, depending on that. But at least you'd have a starting point, for God's sake. You'd have something on the books. The law would be stayed, most likely, while the challenges were there. But if you, if you follow the, the Speaker Johnson mentality and everything, you just basically, well, it's dead on a live or we can't touch it. Why? Well, because Donald wants to have a fucking issue. He doesn't want to have well, a solution. Right. That is part of it. The other thing is having the president have this level of power does not bode well when the opposition is increasingly militaristic in how they approach the border. Yeah, whatever you put uh, out as a law, if it's good for if it's good for a Democrat, it'll be good for a Republican. How will this be used one way or the other? Right. You got to think so about whether that. or not they can use this to curtail all immigration should be a thing that's considered. Um, so there is that. It is also worth mentioning that there is another bill, and this is where we're going to see where their actual priorities are. Um, the House of Representatives passed a bill. It was a tax bill. Um, what it would do, it would restore part of the childhood tax credit. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, 
in um, early in uh, Biden administration, they passed a massive childhood tax credit. Yes. Uh, cut child poverty in half. Yes. Um, every Republican has a policy position, and uh, Joe Manchin, because he's a ghoul, uh, want um, children to starve. There's no other way to put this. It is literally a policy position of them is they want hungry children. Um, it is both in schools where they're attempting to roll back mandatory school lunches, um, and it is from this policy that they successfully roll back. And in the immediate January of the rollback of the childhood tax credit, something like 12 billion children fell back into poverty. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've seen that statistic. That was that was just heartbreaking to, to, to see that happen and disgusting at the same time. It, it is. So this one is a smaller one. Um, I believe every year it does expand both the number of people who can uh, fall into it and the and the um, the amounts paid uh, because and this is worth mentioning. Literally every study that shows just giving poor people money improves their lives like this is not even just free hand of just give them money. It helps them and the economy. Um, the other part of this, though, is. In order to get tax credits to pull children out of poverty, the Republicans had to get tax breaks for massive corporations. One of them being Boeing, which is very interesting because uh, if you've spent any time, at least over the last couple of weeks uh, online, you'll know that they're very mad at Boeing because they believe that having uh, DEI or diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, or basically just having black people um, or women – fly planes is causing bolts and stuff to fall off of course yeah 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 i've 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 seen that connection i still want to know why the hell that 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 uh that door fell off why the patch door fell off it sounds like it was just some sloppy worker i don't know i don't know procedural thing but yes of course naturally it's going to be extended to dei and everything else and yeah okay um so there's uh that so there's these two bills they're going to have there, and um, in the Senate, Chuck Grassley said, "Yeah, we don't want to have checks sent out to people um, before the election with uh, Joe Biden's name on it because that might help him do re-election." Now, there's two things to this that need to be um, discussed. Three. Um, first, uh, I don't know if these fuckers remember, but right before the 2020 election, they passed the COVID stimulus release that, and this is not an exaggeration. Checks went out to people with Donald Trump's name literally stamped on. I have a, I have a, I, I took a photocopy of it. I have, I scanned it. I have it just to remember that that was done. That and it's in that uh, big sharpie kind of a thing. You can't miss it. And the reason that passed was because the Democrats in the House decided, yeah, it's actually better for us to help the American people because they need help, even if it's going to cost us a little bit in the election. So the Republicans are like, yeah, no, we ain't helping nobody do shit. Um, That's why they've literally passed no bills. Like they've passed maybe 40 bills at this point. Uh, Typical Congress has passed 300. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They're going to try to – they have another uh, um, extension for the government coming up. I don't know. And I've repeated this. I think if they kill the immigration bill, there should be some withholding of votes from Democrats in order to pass this. To extract more concessions from them, because look, they're the most likely outcome is they don't pass anything. They kill the uh, tax credit bill in the House, and they kill the immigration bill in the in, or they kill the tax credit in the House, 
at, uh, the Senate and the immigration in the House. Yeah. Um, which, in which case, it's clear that this border invasion that they keep talking about is not that big a deal because they're like, yeah, you know, it could wait another year. Um, and they're like, yeah, actually, we we don't even care about the tax cuts, which basically is the only policies that they have. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we don't care about either of them because we have to help Trump. But the the um, one of the other things that's uh, worth mentioning about how they talk about this is their argument, at least Abbott's argument, is like, yeah, everyone who comes across is a criminal. They're violent. They're a terrorist. Um, if that is your belief, why are you busting them all over the country? <laughs> that's an in- that's an interesting take on that. Yeah, how do you justify that if they're criminals? What what you know? What are you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, why why aren't you attempting to incarcerate them, uh, Governor Abbott, directly? Um, how do you justify moving them across, moving criminals across? Isn't that complicit? Aren't you complicit in their crime if you're moving them across state law? Uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so there's there's that one. But, like, I don't know. We're going to see. I don't think both of these bills were passed. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely worried about, I'd rather if they had to pass one of them, I'd rather it be the the tax bill because I think that it's more important to pull people out of poverty. Um, I would like some type of immigration bill to pass, uh, preferably one that appears better than this one, but we don't know because we don't, I think we're going to get the bill at the end of the week. That's what I'm um, hearing. And that's, that's, which is right about now. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Right. I think cinema said it will be done Saturday yeah. and they're looking yeah. to do a vote Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh and speaking of things at the end of the week, we're still waiting to hear uh, from uh, Judge Androgan on, on what the uh, total amount of, of of New York State penalty will be. You know, if he goes with the number that uh, that uh, Letitia James is going with, I believe it's up around 360 or 370 million. Uh, if he uses Donald Trump's behavior in the courtroom uh, to influence him, which he is totally legally permitted to do under New York law, it could not be challenged. Uh, he may well wind up up in that area. We still have to hear about the nature. We were supposed to be hearing very shortly about what the appeals level would be on the federal side for whether or not Donald basically has a Immunity for everything that was ever done. We know how that one's going to come out, but well, all of these things clear, have to happen. The, the argument Donald Trump is making for presidential immunity is that Joe Biden can assassinate him. Yeah, that's yeah, his yeah, argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Not that he would do that, but that's that's literally what they're arguing. Um, because that's what they said. Um, so it's it's a very strange case for him to want to win. I know. I, 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 I keep watching this thing. The thing that I'm looking for is, you know, there's always some way to delay. Delaying is, is, an, is in the nature of the court system, especially when you're in on the civil side. On the criminal side, once you have a conviction, basically, uh, well, on the civil side, he's got to put up money. If he's going to appeal, and that's yet to happen on the full case that's coming down from Androgan. On the criminal side, once you've been convicted, you can be convicted and sentenced and basically have to begin serving, and you do your appeal from 
the perspective of being from serving out your penalty, from serving out your sentence. That's going to be the amazing thing. I keep looking and trying to figure out which is which of all of these things is ultimately going to happen on the criminal side before the election. And the one that keeps popping up for me is going to be the shortest case that Jack Smith has, the one about the insurrection. That's the one that was supposed to start on March third or something. Now people are saying it may start in April, maybe June, but it'll be a short case because it's a simple case. And the conviction could happen probably no later, no later than September in that case. So that's that's kind of where I'm looking at this thing. And that's where I see this going. Uh, there's always going to be delays every other way. But meanwhile, as you said earlier on, Donald is spending all of his time basically being in and out of court. We know that he's using the money that his donors are giving him, small donors, their money is going to pay his bills. I mean, you know, <laughs> on and on this goes. And, well, this is, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing the show. This is why they play the games. Uh, David, where else can people hear your rather clear and thoughtful insight on all of these different issues? Uh, they can follow me online at Faces Ideas New on Twitter. Okay. Well, I, I, I expect and I encourage people to do so. And uh, I thank you for uh, listening to us here on Center Left Radio. And I encourage you as well to take it all in, to, as, as Douglas Adams, rest his soul, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, would advise all of us, don't panic and Part of not panicking, certainly for me, is to chill out and maybe listen to a little jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Yes, we usually talk about purely political issues, Trump and what's going on with the Republicans and how Biden is doing, but the ultimate driving force in all of us is how we deal with the love and fear that are energetically at the core of each of us. It will transcend and it will survive whatever happens with Trump and whatever happens with this election cycle. We have to deal with it. It may not be easy, but we do have to deal with it.